Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 11 o'clock hour, busy hour at that. We're going to talk to Dave Sproul momentarily from KASI up in Ames, Cyclones play on 1430 in Ames. Dave Sproul momentarily, Tom Cakert in about 2, 15, 20 minutes or thereabouts. And then sports are back. That means Claxons is back with Trent and I on Friday. We will give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some barbecue. The winner will get $35, the runner-up $25. We'll give you Four props in a tiebreaker. Look for that at about 11.45-ish here this morning. Ray Lima has retired from football. He's not going to report Mm. to the Dolphins. He's calling it a career football no longer in his future. Dave Sproud joins us from KASI. Dave, when I saw that, uh, I was kind of a little bit surprised. I wasn't sure he was going to make the NFL, but what an important role, obviously. And, I've, you know, we've talked about him a number of times. Just, um, you know, uh, what a big shoes, literally, to fill uh, in that spot. He meant so much to that defensive front. He's retiring from football, uh, had a terrific career at Iowa State. Yeah, it's it's kind of too bad to to see that he's going to bow up, but his chances of making the NFL did seem uh, pretty slim. And I'm guessing if if Matt Campbell can find a way to make it happen, he would he would certainly welcome Lima back in a role maybe similar to what they did for Kyle Kemp and, and Joel Anning because he's kind of on their level in terms of the way they they respect him and what he brought to the game and his leadership skills and and he'd probably have something uh, positive to share with uh, the program now and in the future. Yeah, certainly interesting. And he was such an important cog these last two years and what they did defensively, the change that Heacock made and going to that amoeba-type defense that they've ran that has been copied by teams across the country, both college and NFL. When Clemson and the New England Patriots are coming to see what you're doing defensively, you know you're doing something right. But Ray Lima was a big part of that. I know there are names there, but do you anticipate there's going to be a learning curve at the very least trying to replace what a great player Lima was and what they were able to do? Yeah, it, there certainly will be a major shift there. One of the things about that, you know, playing three, basically a three, four defensive lineman or three, three, five, however you want to look at it. Um, one of the things you need, if you're using three down linemen, you need somebody who's going to uh, suck up one or two of those offensive linemen there. And, and if not get, you know, penetration on the on the pass rush, at least make sure you occupy a couple guys so you can maybe bring a linebacker or a defensive back in on a on a blitz or, you know, you just jam up the passing lanes and the running lanes as well. So that was the biggest thing for Lima on the field was not necessarily putting up big stats, getting a ton of tackles or sacks or anything, but just occupying space and making sure that the the offensive line had to respect him and that opened up things for 
for other players on the field to make plays. I'm sure he would love to tutor Latrell Bankston. It looks as though he's going to be his sure. replacement. A lot of th- a lot of talk about him. A lot of talk about what the Big 12 is doing and what Bob Bowlesby has up his sleeve. Uh, apparently, he's going to wait a couple more weeks, day before the uh, Big 12 uh, goes forward with their plans for the season. They may, of the Power 5 conferences, be last uh, to show their cards. We know what the Pac-12 is doing. We know what the Big 10 is doing, the ACC now, SEC and the Big 12 kind of, we think we have an idea what the SEC is doing, but the Big 12 is, you know, a plus one, nine plus one. Uh, Bowlesby yesterday on record saying that he was, you know, he's hopeful that they can play 12 games. So if that's the case, Iowa State would need an opponent uh, in the place of the Cyhawk game, clearly, because we know that's off. I just looked at you and I's schedule. They're scheduled to play at Idaho State. I think it's in, uh, is Idaho State Pocatello, Idaho? You got me. I on that think one. it is. Anyways, um, I mean, I don't know if you can get out of that game, but we obviously know David Harris's relationship with Iowa State. We know that the financial strife that I was uh, that Northern I was going to be in if they can't get a bye game. Might that make some sense, Dave? I mean, how difficult? I mean, I know I'm asking a question that is kind of hypothetical. Would it be, do you think, to get out of those games, to get out of going to Idaho and welcome in your old buddy Dave Harris and his squad? Yeah, I'm sure Iowa State would love that, and Northern Iowa would probably love that, yeah. too. The the problem is, you know, the domino effects. What does that do to your Idaho State game? And can you maybe flip weekends with them? But who do you got on week one? Well, they were supposed to play Iowa on week one, but, okay, maybe you can move Idaho State to week one and play Iowa State week two, but what does Idaho State have? And then yeah. the dominoes fall from there. I mean, scheduling is kind of tricky in the first place. And, you know, sometimes you see five, ten years out, teams scheduling – uh, non-conference matchups, and, and that gets tricky once you get you know into this time frame where a lot of dominoes have to fall the right way just to get on the field, and then you know trying to figure out a schedule in addition to that with teams that you know finding a team that's available, it's it's a difficult thing to do you know in under normal circumstances, and it's going to be exponentially harder, I would imagine, in, in this year. You know, there, there's so many different parameters that you're working through here. West Virginia scheduled to play Florida State. Well, if those conferences go to a plus-one model, the ACC, you know they're going to pick up Florida for their plus-one. Mm, yeah. That West Virginia goes by the wayside. And the trickle-down effect just makes it incredibly mm. difficult to kind of wrap your mind around how this is all going to play out. If it is just one game, it's one game that is added to the nine conference games for the Big 12, and it comes from the ACC, the SEC, more than likely Iowa State would have to go on the road since they already have five games that are scheduled at Jack Trice, and the other conference brethren certainly would want that to happen and have it be equitable in some form. Is there anybody that you've seen that A, would make sense at any game against an ACC or an SEC program would be fun to have, but anything that you make sense, maybe some former ties that would be good for Iowa State? Uh, nothing jumps to mind right away. I think a couple weeks ago we talked about Syracuse having an open day, and I think that would be a really interesting matchup uh, between Iowa State. Syracuse plays such a fun style. It's up-tempo, and, and they can put up a lot of points sometimes, so that would be a fun game to watch, I think, but it's again so many dominoes have to fall the right way to get these schedules worked out. It's tough to pick out a team and say that that's the one. Let's let's play that. <laughs> you know, and, and to that end, guys, I know that the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I think they're on the the, the verge of uh, making their schedules public. I think it would behoove all the Power Five schools. Shouldn't they all be in the same room trying to figure this out? Especially if um, you know they are going to have that plus one model. 
because, as you mentioned, it's it's trying to work in weeks. You're trying to stay away from the rivals. It's going to be so difficult without a... Again, we go back to it. No one's in charge of college football. Man, if this doesn't, if this isn't an impetus, uh, to jumpstart that, uh, in the years to come, nothing will be. Well, let's talk about the here and now and with this Iowa State football team. What's the latest, Dave? What are they doing? I see that the, uh, a lot of Cyclones, Brock Purdy in particular, seemingly not a day going by that he's not named to some watch list and why wouldn't he be? Uh, but what are, what is Iowa State doing right now as far as football related activity? Uh, they're still getting guys integrated uh, on the campus and, and going through their testing routine and, and getting uh, kind of the expectations set out for guys and getting into some practice things. And, they, you know, August 7th is the date they can really start fall camp. And it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and then because uh, next weekend is a big weekend. Now, if you don't live in a college town, you might not be aware of this, but leases – Apartment leases start on August 1st. Mm. And so next weekend is a lot of kids moving in and kids moving out and moving within the city or coming in from out of town and moving into a new apartment and things like that. And so that, that's a whole process. And then on August 3rd, that's the first Monday of August, that's when move in for on-campus apartments. Uh, not, not apartments, but dorms. Yep. There are on-campus apartments that are not subject to the same testing regulations, but everybody who moves into on-campus dorms will be tested as they make their way into the, the check-in sort of procedure. So that's, and that's every student. And it'll be interesting to see what happens from there as things unfold. You go from the third with all the students. They're expanding the check-in period, but that's when students start arriving. So that's when the first influx of perhaps a surge in cases if these kids aren't being careful and smart about how they handle themselves, whether they're playing football or not. Uh, but it's still going to take a week or two to really fully realize, you know, where we are with that. So you go from the third to the seventh and the start of practice. And if you get through the first week or two of that without a lot of cases, that's definitely going to be good news for Iowa State. But then you got to look at every other campus on the Big 12 uh, in the Big 12 conference and across the country and see how they handle, you know, incoming, uh, whether it be freshmen or returning students and how many, you know, positive tests they get. And what is the threshold? What is enough for a campus to say, all right, we can't do this? And what's enough for a football program to say, we can't do this? You know, I, I was thinking, and somebody tests positive, you live in a dorm, what's going to happen to them? You know, for an athlete, there's a lot more available to an athlete that they can make that work and with what they have in terms of the football facility, the sports facilities. They can probably find a spot. Just a normal Joe making his way up there freshman year, getting ready to go to the dorms. Sorry, you tested positive for covid do they have a quarantine area? How is that going to work for these students? Yeah, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but the president of the university, Wendy, Wendy Winterstein, put out a memo yesterday kind of detailing how things will work. And they have set aside one of the dorm buildings for students who test positive. And then there's another uh, dorm uh, set aside for students who come into contact with someone who has tested positive. So, there's the, the quarantine kind of area, and then there's the contact tracing area for folks who want to quarantine. And the latter group, so the person who comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, also has the option of quarantining at home with their families, which might or may not be the best yeah. uh, deal for your family, but that's still an option out there. So there's, you know, there are procedures in place, and they're coming into focus for Iowa State as a university as a whole. And 
Uh, Matt Campbell and his crew has, have made it pretty clear, and the other coaches on campus have, I, I think, set out protocols for their teams to, you know, get their process uh, underway because they've got kids coming to campus before the general population does. Are you hearing anything about, uh, I know we've talked about, I think, early, uh, maybe early July, uh, just the backup quarterback because now the Real Mitchell obviously is at Temple. Boy, I look at pictures of Hunter Deckers. This is a big kid. I mean, he's thick. This is a big boy. Body-wise, I think he's, you would think he's ready as a true freshman uh, for Big 12 play. Of course, Aiden Bowman's, I think, taller than him. Uh, That's going to be one of the, in really a a team that doesn't have a lot of decisions off the top of my head. The receiver is going to be fun to see how that shakes out. But, and look, we hope we never have to see Deckers or Bowman, but it's a contact sport after all. Uh, who do you think has the edge of either of, of, either of those two quarterbacks? What have you heard? Uh, I haven't heard much yet. Uh, those guys are, you know, still getting their feet wet with the practices and things like that, like everybody else. So it's really hard to discern. And half the things you hear about guys who are coming onto campus. Uh, it's hard to believe anyway because right. no coaches like to pump up their guys. Right. So uh, I haven't really heard much about who's got an edge there, and it's going to be interesting to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know everything works out for Iowa State and they get the full twelve game schedule, or even just eleven games. They get a chance to you know blow somebody out on their home field and get those guys some reps late in the game. That would be the ideal situation because you know you can give them a couple games worth of work, four games in fact, and still retain their red shirts. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, but those guys are going to have to get up to speed pretty fast because, yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons um, that Brock Purdy, you know, not just because he wants to play, but he played through injury last year mm-hmm. uh, because they count on him so much, and that's nothing against Real Mitchell. I think he, he could have gone in easily and, and done a fine job, but they, they have so much faith in Brock Purdy that it was probably difficult to, to say, yeah, we got to get this guy some rest. Too. We got to have him sit out a week because because of that ankle. You can't really afford that in the Big Twelve. You need to have your best guy out there week in and week out. And if that if they can't do that, they get to the point where Purdy just can't go. They're going to need one or both of those guys even to to get up to speed in a hurry. Dave Sproul, fourteen thirty K A S I in Ames. Dave, thank you. We will uh, talk to you. Is next week? No, it's not. Next week is in August, is it? A week from today? What's it? No, it's thirty first. The end of July. End of July. I was going to say we'll talk to you next month, but uh, that wouldn't work. Dave, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Dave Sproul, K A S I up in Ames. Uh, Tom Cakert covers the Hawkeyes. We will speak with him next. We're going to give away some barbecue in about. 25 minutes. We'd like to give away $1,000 right now. KXNO and iHeart would love to help you with your bills. Text the keyword bank to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000 bank to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com joins Trenton I. Claxons in Altoona. We're going to give away barbecue at 1145. We'll give you four props. Will you give us four answers? We'll tell you all about that in 25 minutes. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 10s. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon, welcome back to 
Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Talk some clones, let's do some Hawks. He is Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. He joins the program. Tom, uh, football in a second. Just uh, Luca Garza, he was um, part of a couple of podcasts. There's certainly one, Goodman's, and there was some video uh, of him uh, out there and uh, certainly uh, very well-spoken uh, about-to-be senior. And I I don't know where you are, Tom. I Just as the days go um, get closer to August the 2nd, I'm thinking it's more and more likely that he gets paid this winter as opposed to comes back just due to the uncertainty of it. Uh, certainly we've come full circle on this, but where are you this week? Another week since we've talked last week. Are you where you were? Are you starting to think it's more likely that he gets paid or I'm anxious to hear what you have? Um, I am still in the camp that he's coming back because where is he right now? He's, he's back. Um, if he was... Li- he, he's yeah he's he's in Iowa City right and he's working out with his teammates so um, I I just I think that speaks more about what's going on because if he was leaving he would have left you know if he would have made a decision that he was leaving I doubt that he'd be showing up there every day working out with his teammates I just I that by that point then you're just going to a private trainer and you're getting ready to you know do whatever you need to do to get drafted so. Um, that's why, that's where I'm at. I, I just kind of think he's going to come back. And then if the college basketball season doesn't happen, you can always just go over to Europe and he can get paid there. I mean, that, that's still always going to be an option for him. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. In let, let's make that happen. Hey, speaking of basketball, Tom, I, I know recruiting, it has been a, a summer that we're not used to, not the number of sheer AAU events, Peach Jam and the like have uh, been pulled off the table. It's been different, but. There's still recruiting happening right now. What can you tell us about the 2021 class? And a kid here from Central Iowa over in Waukee, I saw Peyton Sanford picked up an offer earlier this week mm, from yeah. Stanford. That was a big offer for him too, because yeah. I, you know, he has talked about that. That that was he's a high academic kid, and that was a big. That's a tough one to turn down. It just is. Um, it's you know, great part of the country, uh, beautiful campus, world class education. Um, it is just, it is tough to turn down. So it'd be interesting, uh, you know, cause I think Iowa was in pretty good shape with him until, um, until that uh, point. So, um, now it's going to be a, a, a real dog fight. Um, he's not a kid that grew up a Hawkeye fan or anything like that. So they don't have that card. Um, then I, I think primarily they're going to look at bigs, uh, just because, you know, after this year, regardless of what Luca does this summer or, uh, winter or whatever, if he leaves, you know, they're still going to, they're, they're short on big men, really, mm-hmm. um, because they, they've only got Joshua Magale, who is going to hopefully be in the States in a couple weeks, and then he's got to quarantine for two weeks. So, um, they'll hopefully have him, but then at the other, their only other big is Jack Dungey. So they've got to uh, start replenishing that. Trey James is a kid that I think they've got a good shot at, at uh, out of uh, Kentucky, 6'10 kid. Uh, plays with the Chicago AAU team, uh, Mean Streets, and uh, Andrew Morgan, a kid from uh, Southern Minnesota, who um, kind of an emerging kid that uh, a six eight, six nine forward that uh, I, I know they really like and, and recently offered that. Uh, I think they're going to have a good shot at getting him as well. Uh, let's switch over to football, Tom. And yeah, yeah look of the. I guess the grad transfers, I don't 
don't think Coy Cronk's getting the, maybe not the love. Uh, he's going to play a huge role, I think, on this offensive line. Already one of the strengths. If he can plug and play at right tackle right away, and he had a nice Indiana career with Jackson on the other side, Linderbaum a year under his belt, and he was terrific as a freshman, a redshirt freshman last year. We loved the shooter getting his opportunity. He certainly uh, took full advantage of that at right tackle, but Coy Cronk uh, being able to set the right edge, um, maybe he's not getting the um, uh, the pub maybe that uh, that he deserves. It's a big get, and maybe one that uh, that's kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, he's not he's not Tristan Wirfs, but he's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a really good Big Ten football player at Indiana, and he's got that on his resume that uh, that he's got a lot of starts. Uh, he'll be able to come in and kind of plug and play. It's not like he's going to have to do a whole lot of adjusting. Uh, to the the level of competition, um, so he's going to come in right away. I, I, you know, I wrote something today. Just you know, what's the Iowa's strongest position group, and you know, for the first time ever, I think it's probably wide receivers. But yeah. uh, offensive line is not far behind when you look at it from the perspective of Kronk and uh, Alert Jackson and Linderbaum, who I think is great, uh, yeah. going to be outstanding. Um, uh, Kallenberger, Banwart. Uh, the shooter. I mean, you've got six really solid guys there that you could uh, you can count on this year. So, um, I played at a very high level in the Big Ten. They've shown that they can do that in the Big Ten. Tom, uh, you talked about that offensive line. You talk about saw your article today talking about the strongest position group. Tyler Goodson came on so much last year. You were talking about the running backs. Makai Sargent we saw two years ago. Dependable, durable. How about Ivory Kelly Martin, the guy that was the Mm. starter a couple of years ago, battled injuries all throughout last season, got a redshirt year out of it, even by playing in four games. This is a guy we know the staff at least was very high on. He was out there talking to the media here about a month back. What do you anticipate the role is going to be this year for IKM, a different one, Ivory Kelly Martin? You know, it's it's wild to think about this, but like two years ago, he was a starting running back going into the season. Yeah. I mean, we just forget about that, that he was a, a, a starting running back until he got hurt. And then and kind of Makai Sargent uh, emerged and, and played really well. Uh, but, you know, his ankle injury really kind of sidetracked him. And last year he ends up uh, redshirting, um, playing in four games. He's kind of the... Isn't he maybe one of the more intriguing players this year that people aren't talking about uh, for Iowa football because he's just he's a quality running back and I was really fortunate in that depth but top three um, there's a lot there's great options there all three of them are starting running backs in the Big Ten uh, at least in the past so it's, it's a great situation for Iowa right now. How many uh, Oliver Martin questions have you answered this year <laughs> as opposed to last? <laughs> It is so wild. I was I was rough with just writing about that with the wide receiver group. It's like last year it was the summer of Oliver. And yeah. He he never gets mentioned. He's no. like you know, okay, you got Brandon Smith and you got I you got ISM. You've got Tracy uh, Regani. Yeah. You got Max Cooper. Oh, and then there's Oliver Martin. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's just. When when a kid who's that good and he's really talented is like maybe the sixth kid off your uh, on your mind, uh, that's a pretty good group of uh, wide receivers, I think. Speaking of uh, the receiver position, over to tight end, we saw Laporta make a big step up late in the season yeah. last year. 
How about the young guys, though? I, I know, you know, Byer's still there. If he can have a healthy season, he's got a chance. They brought in a lot of talent the last two classes at the tight end position. Who do you anticipate is going to be the first guy to pop? I, I know they were really, really high on uh, Josiah Mealman last year, even mm-hmm. though he redshirted, did not play. Um, they really like what he can do. So I, I would say his name is probably the first one that I think of. Uh, Yelverton got a shot. I, it, it, Lachey, I think that they're both really, really skilled players. I mean, they're, they come in, um, you know, they, they have to put on, get stronger, uh, but uh, they come in from a pass catching, route running, uh, football, understanding a football perspective. They're light years ahead of a lot of kids. They, they just know how to, how to play that part of the game. So I, I think they'll help them at least maybe in the passing game. Uh, maybe not in the run game, uh, so that's that's going to be the big challenge, and, and that's always the challenge for Iowa tight ends. It's, they want to know why that guy doesn't get on the field right away at tight end. It's because they're struggling with blocking. Mm, yep. Uh, speaking of tight ends, the kid from Council Bluffs is it Fedoni or Fedone? Yeah, Fedone. Yeah. Uh, what's what's uh, his timeline, Tom? I mean, he's got a lot, he's got a who's who of offers from some of the biggest schools in college football. He's an Iowa kid. He was a Nebraska fan, right? Or did he have Nebraska yeah. ties? Maybe. Um, are, are are Nebraska and Iowa still the favorites? One of those two schools will get him, or what? What can you tell uh, tell us about him? Yeah, I think it, you know everything I've heard um, is Iowa, Nebraska, LSU is is kind of. The, uh, the other one to really watch with him. Um, so I thought it was kind of a tell that Iowa started snooping around on some other kids about how strongly they felt mm-hmm. about their chances with him. Just when they started offering some other tight ends, I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, they, they may see a little bit, you know, not that it's done, but there might be a little bit of handwriting on the wall uh, starting to get written at least uh, about their, they're at least a little more concerned about, Maybe not getting them than maybe they were, um, you know, a few months ago. Twenty hours of practice starts today. You also get the twelve extra hours on the field for meetings and, and non padded padded practices. Tom, uh, we saw some teams that have shut it down at this point, but this is really the beginning of everything. This is mm-hmm. NCAA across the board saying they're going to yep. be good to go. Do you feel like I was in a good position to now take this next step forward? Yeah, I, I think. Just about everybody is, but um, the challenge, and it's just, it's going to keep coming up, and it's going to keep coming up. It's not the rash of number of guys who have tested positive for COVID. It's how they protocol everything, and they treat everybody who's been in contact with the person who has tested positive for COVID. And knocking all those people down is just going to be, that's the nightmare, and that's the biggest hurdle for college football and they're going to have to deal with that uh in terms of doing it some somehow differently than they are because there's there's just no way that they that um you're going to be able to play a full season you're just going to have all kinds of problems uh if if you keep the protocols the way they are what uh, what are you hearing, Tom? We've seen some buzz. Maybe we'll get a schedule, a Big Ten schedule next week. ACC likewise, but the Big Ten, yeah. ACC maybe first, like Monday, and then midweek for for the Big Ten. Are you hearing that? Yeah, I have. I, I talked to somebody last night who said that they haven't gotten uh, the Big Ten hasn't got the schedule yet, but they were, I think next week they're hoping to 
to get something, and uh, it's it, the one that that is out there of when conference games are and everything is what I was told was you probably throw that away. Okay, so, um, right. back to the drawing uh, board. I go. It's probably going to look look different. So, um, you know, but you can do that now because you don't have to worry about booking hotel rooms a, a year in advance. True. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be a lot of fans in the stands. I I, I don't anticipate uh, many, if at all, will see fans in the in the stands. I just don't think people want that uh, that liability. But I I still do firmly think we're going to have football this fall yeah, because the alternative, as Barry Alvarez said yesterday, is <laughs> essentially it's not uh, uh, the alternative is not something you want. You can't live with that alternative. Turn of his death, almost basically, college football. Yeah, it's a, a crazy proposition. Hey, back to that schedule for a moment. You mentioned kind of it'll look completely different than the one that we see. We saw the Pac-12 is uh, looking at a September, mid-September start date yeah. when they get their conference-only game started. Will the Big Ten, do you imagine, do something similar, or is it going to be start as soon as possible? Maybe even that last weekend in August, if not Labor Day weekend, September fifth. And then from there, build in as many bye weeks as possible. What would you think I it's going to be? I think they're going to try and build in some bye weeks. I know that was kind of the thinking going into building out the schedule was they'd like to build some things in. So in case something happens um, where a couple of teams just get wiped out, uh, they could reschedule. And there's even some thought that they were going to just do like maybe do three weeks of games and then kind of just go week by week the scheduling just um just go that way because um it might be easier and uh, you know you're not holding yourself to a schedule that way um but we'll see what they do i think they're going to put out a full like 10 game schedule and and see if they can play it and i think they're probably going to go earlier uh, you know maybe go like three weeks and then off and then three weeks and then off and then three weeks and then off or four weeks and, and then be done. Something like that. Uh, that's my guess. Speaking of scheduling fellas, I saw that the uh, president of the green Bay Packers, Mark Murphy is going to petition the big 10 to host the big 10 championship at Lambeau that. field. <laughs> Sign me up. Well, you don't go to games. That's well, I like to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that'd be? I mean, Tom, that I how, who turns that down, right? Big Ten, December weather doesn't matter in the Big Ten. Maybe you get a little bit of the elements on that Saturday night. Oh, just spectacular! I think this has to happen. Don't you, Tom? That'd be great. I would. I would think that would be a lot of fun to uh, to do it. Do one there. Do one at Soldier Field. I think would be yeah, great. Yeah. Um, you know, those those would be fun places to kind of iconic venues to have. Uh, a Big Ten football game in December. Outside. Outside. No offense to Lucas Oil or going up to the U.S. Bank or anything like that. Put the game outside the first weekend in December. Tom, we'll talk to you in a week. Hopefully we'll have a schedule and we can dissect it when we do. All right? That sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Tom. Have a wonderful weekend. Tom Kakert uh, from HawkeyeReport.com. Wouldn't that be something? Yes, oh. it would. It would, yeah, and like I said, going there that does not sound good. Your team makes championship game, and you gotta go sit in the snow for three and a half hours. That doesn't sound good. But if nobody's gonna be there, well, okay. two thousand twenty-three, I hope that somebody's gonna be there. That's when they're petitioning it. Two thousand twenty-three. Yeah, it's gonna be a ways down the road. Right. Poof. Uh, what an I mean, iconic state. Indianapolis is so much fun, though. It's I, a great city. I like Indianapolis. Yeah. Everything's right there. Mm-hmm. 
I still like Indy more than Green Bay, I think. Do you? Yeah. You're getting soft on us, Connor. I am. You're I am. You're soft in your old age. That's Listen to me. I'll be in my bunker. <laughs> right. <and drinking. laughs> You're not going. No, I'm not. All right. First four callers, 284-5966. We haven't done this since March. We'll do it right now and every Friday for the foreseeable future. For our new listeners, what exactly is this? Well, we have our friends at Claxon's Barbecue. They give us a $35 and a $25 gift certificate to give away to our listeners. We give you four props, four sporting bets. You give us four answers. If you get the most right, you'll win a $35 gift certificate. The runner-up gets 25 We do have a tiebreaker that we only use, obviously, if there's a tie. Uh, we will do it on baseball. All baseball. If you're getting a busy signal, you're going to have to wait to next week because, Trent, everyone will be eligible. Everybody is eligible. Because it's been four or five months since we've done it. Claxons, 3131 8th Street, Southwest in Altoona. That giveaway is next. If you're getting a ring, don't go anywhere. Trent will answer the phone momentarily. 1460 KXNO. 10- <laughs> Miller and Condon, welcome back. Final segment of the week. Global Greens Farmers Market tomorrow. As you just heard, 3200 University Avenue, Indianola at the Warren County Fairgrounds. They go 8 to noon. And the other Saturday Farmers Market that we know of is uh, Uptown Ankeny from 9 until noon. NCMIC asks us to pass that information on regarding the farmers markets, and we do so. Claxon's 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. ClaxonBBQ.com. Our friend Andy and company at Claxon's, we're grateful to them for doing this. We'll give you four props. You give us four answers. Steve, Marty, Rick, and Ryan. I'll give you guys all a minute to think about the tiebreaker. It's it's home runs all weekend. White Sox twin series. So a three-game set at guaranteed okay. rate field. How many home runs will the Twins and the White Sox combined to hit? Uh, Marty's up first. Marty, welcome to the program. How are you? I am great. Good. How's home confinement? Uh. Just kidding. Different Marty. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, Brewers and the Cubs have a three-game weekend series this weekend. Who will win the series, Brewers or the Cubbies? I'm going with the Cubs. Uh, Twins, White Sox, likewise. Three-gamer. Who will win the weekend series? I'm going to go with the White Sox. Will either of these three gentlemen, Albert Almora, Ian Happ, or David Bodie, hit a home run this weekend? Yes or no? Who is the first one? Almora, Happ, Bodie. Yes. Dodgers, they've already got one. Will they sweep the uh, the Giants in this four game set? Oh no. Okay, and uh, tiebreaker closest without going over. Twins and White Sox will combine this weekend to hit how many home runs? Uh, six. Thank you. Uh, uh, have a good weekend, Marty. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Good to talk to you. Rick is up next. Rick, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Uh, Brewers, Cubs. Who wins the weekend series? Uh, Cubs. Twins, White Sox. Twins. Elmora, Hap, Bodie. Will either of those three hit a home run this weekend? No. Do Dodgers sweep the four-game series over the Giants? No. How many home runs? Tiebreaker. Closest without going over. Twins, White Sox this weekend. 
pied. Thank you, Rick. Have a good weekend. You too, thanks. Thank you. Ryan joins Miller and Condon. Hello, Ryan. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Brewers or Cubs? Who wins the series this weekend at Wrigley? I'm going with the Brewers. Twins White Sox at guaranteed rate. White Sox. Will Almora, Happ, or Bodie hit a home run this weekend? I think one of them will. Okay. Dodgers, do they complete the sweep of the four-gamer over the Giants? Yes. Home runs, White Sox, Twins, closest without going over this weekend. And if somebody's already taken your number, you're welcome to say it. Six. Six it is for you, Ryan. Have a wonderful weekend. You too, thanks. Thank you. And Steve is last up in our Claxons giveaway. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Uh, Brewers, Cubs, who do you like? Harvey's Wallbangers. Harvey's Wallbangers. There's a a good one. Uh, That was a fun team to watch. Twins, White Sox. Twinkies. Almora, Hap, Bodie. Either of those three Helmer this weekend? Hope not. Okay. <laughs> uh, San Fran, uh, do they get swept by the Dodgers in this four-game set? Nope, they'll win one. They will win a game. And home runs, uh, Twins, White Sox, closest without going over all three games. Lucky seven. Lucky seven, Steve. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Case. Thank you. And thank you to Claxons. Steve's got the correct answers. Oh, he does. He answered the exact same way and the exact same number I had for every Seven, one of these. Yeah. See, I think there's well, well, you think the White Sox are going fifty-five and five? <laughs> I didn't know that. They're going to hit three hundred home runs. Now, in 60 be games. fair. I said fifty-two and eight. <laughs> <laughs> you are both feet on. I mean, you leave love this White Sox team. Uh, you know what? They usually get there a year before they're supposed to. Sometimes, or maybe, maybe not usually. Sometimes there's also a year later than yes, they're supposed to. Right and. Maybe this is that kind of year. But with the advent of the new playoff schedule, that's a huge advantage for the White Sox. Absolutely. To get, you just have to finish in your top two in your division Mm -hmm. that is a best of three team division. And and the Indians very well taking eight teams from the American League. Right. Well, National League, likewise. Yeah, right. Um, Get tied on, folks. It's oh, here. It is here. A full weekend so, of baseball. You'll you'll watch more Twins, White Sox tonight than Brewers, uh, Cubs. Obviously, mm-hmm. are they staggered? I think one six, one seven. Did I see that right? Oh, really? I thought. Well, again, it's twenty twenty. You don't know exactly. You shouldn't assume anything. Uh, Saturday uh, tonight, the Cubs do play at six. The uh, Cubs Brewers are at six, and the Twins White Sox at seven ten. So a little stagger oh, action because it's national broadcast. ESPN also has. So Brewers what will Cubs. that do to people in Des Moines? The national broadcast. And Watch the ES- it on Marquee Network. That's or Fox to. Sports Wisconsin. Yep. Brian uh, Anderson six sixty nine. He's good too. That's a good team. Those two fellows. All right. Speaking of good teams, we've got a whole bunch of them coming your way this weekend. A couple of them today: Murph and Andy at two, Fanatics at four. Tomorrow morning, Emery Songer and Sean Roberts. The Saturday morning pregame. I'm guessing a lot of White Sox conversation for the next couple of weeks. Uh, morning Rush. Monday will be here before we know it. They'll be on at 6. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays, 10 to noon. Thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO and 106.3.